Turn your TV to channel 3 because it's time for the legend of retro podcast at bx8b.com. Ah, welcome back retro hunters. I'm your host Jay and this is the Gallant Chops. And you're listening to episode 15 of the Legend of Retro podcast. We also have producer Ethan here with us. Hello! Hello. I don't know why, no. why is that the voice I do every time? <laughs> every know. time you guys pitch me, oh, Ethan's here, and I'm like, hello! It's it's your go-to. It's, it's your go-to. The, it's obnoxious. <laughs> That's fair. Which is what I try to do. hey Alright, guys. Well, welcome to episode 15, and we'd like to thank our sponsor... The Detroit Beard Collective. Go to DetroitBeardCollective.com. Buy some beard stuff for your beautiful beard. At checkout, use the offer code BXAB. On 20, 20, uh, $25 or, or more on the order, right? Right? <laughs> yeah, I think you, you get got 20% it off. Yeah, you got it that time. Chops, true or false? Just earlier today, a coworker was asking us, uh, how does my man friend's beard not, uh, not be so terrible? And we're like, well, there's one solution. Trim it. DetroitBeerCollective.com. Oh, yeah, yeah, no, no, yeah. Detroit Beer Collective. Yeah, that's right. Sorry. Get those quality products. You know, shape it with some of the the butter and then get it acting right. Keep it orderly and uh, get it healthy with some of that elixir. That's right. And it smells good, real good. All right, guys. Well, also buy one of their hoodies. It's playoff season, and they've got a sweet Red Wings hoodie. They do. They have a really cool Red Wings hoodie. So check them out. DetroitBeerCollective.com. Thank you, guys from uh, Detroit Beer Collective. We appreciate you, nerds. Yo. All right. Guys, we're going to talk a little bit today about... Your favorite te- your favorite adventure. Game hunting. That's right. Retro game hunting. One of the things we, we love here on The Legend of Retro is diving into the stories, the culture, and uh, the memories around retro gaming. And uh, that's one of the most fun things to do as part of the retro gaming community is hunt for, uh, for rare games, hunt for deals, and build a collection. Yeah, so uh, this all sparked because this past weekend I went on my own adventure because the weather has finally decided to break here in Michigan. We had some nice weather, so I wanted to see if I could find some flea markets, if I could find some garage sales, if I could just find some some treasure. And uh, I had a pretty good weekend. Uh, for you know, a lot of times you go out and you just you strike out nowadays, and and I will say that. I kind of had one of those weekends that made me. It took me back. It took me back to the old days, the way the the old time when you used to be able to find these gems before all of the easy internet access came around. So I figured, you know what, we should talk a little bit about game hunting. And uh, to get us started, I wanted to first bring up. We, we've all. I'd say Ethan and I game hunt currently. Quite a bit. If yeah. I'm driving by a game store, I'm usually trying to go in. Yep, and Chops, you're usually, you know, you have specifics that you're looking for. So it's not that you game hunt all the time, but if you found, like, the, the gems that you're looking for, like, example, PlayStation 1, Marvel vs. Capcom. Oh, yeah. That's what you're looking for, you know. Um, so, so we all actively are looking for at least something, and I think we all have the same frustration with... What do I call it now? The popularity of retro gaming right now, and and inadvertently, I guess, and connected to that is the ridiculous cost to some of these games that we I'd that say, we ch- that we cherish as a child. I'd say you're scam artists of the retro hunting. 
area. It's it's those people, and they might call themselves business people, and entrepreneurs, whatever. But it's those people that want to turn around and just scalp you for every dollar that they could possibly get for something that they know is tied to your childhood that you loved. Wherever they've heard or seen it sold for hire, they will charge for that. Yeah. And I don't mean, again, I don't want to like, I'm not I'm not picking fights with everyone out there. There are some awesome game shops out there. There are some awesome resellers that are also collectors. You know, they, they, they love what they do. But I'm talking about like the eBay scalpers. I'm talking about the people that when, you know, they can get a hold of 10 of something, they buy all 10 and then sell them for top dollar to you. It's just, it, it, it's old. And unfortunately, because of it, like, here's a great example of what's going on for me right now. I love to hunt, garage, you know, garage sailing. Uh, you know, we got, we got um, Lucas, who got me into hunting and garage sales. Him and I, we have to, we get up. We're already working on garage sales early in the week before they even start because now what people do is they post about their garage sale on Craigslist and then these these resellers reach out to these people before their garage sale and lock down the video games before yeah, the garage sale even starts. They'll say, oh, what do you have? I have these games, these games. Cool, I'll give you $1,000 for them all. <laughs> doesn't matter what it is. Yeah. They just buy them in bulk. It's, yeah, and, and I mean a lot of time, you know, it, obviously a lot of time is they try to get it they try to like rip these. This is what pisses me off. I think the most. It's one thing if you're running a business and you're making money and, and things like that. That's that's business, okay? I run a business. I need to make money to survive. I get that. It's different when you whip someone off of their product yeah. because they don't know what they have, and you go, "Oh yeah, I'll, I'll give you a dollar cartridge." And like, there's Earthbound, there's Chrono Trigger, there's all these games in, in this li- this list that you damn well knows worth hundreds and hundreds of dollars, if not thousands. And you just take it from them so that you can profit. That instantly makes you a shitty person, and that's what we deal with every week now. Just and, and I'm not looking to sell my stuff. I just build out my game room, you know. So it's frustrating sometimes when there's a game like you know, Chops brings up a great game. Marvel vs. Capcom is a is a fun game, and you can find it. But it's get you know, it's a fifty dollar game nowadays. You know, it's the price of a new game, a new current game. Yeah, and. It's just frustrating because the only reason that it's it is what it is is because of 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 the generation we live in where people are just trying to make a quick buck every direction they possibly can, <clears throat> which also hurts the other aspect I want to talk about. Legit, legit privately owned. I don't want to talk about franchises or anything like that, but, but like mom and pop retailers. Game stores, yeah. man. You know, like there are some fantastic game stores out there. They've been around for twenty years, so they were so, here before retro game collecting was cool. So we used to think Funko Land was was one of those. <laughs> Granted, now that I look back on it, they ripped the hell off of you. I mean, a it, lot. They did, but you had to go to them. They weren't ripped. They, they weren't. Yeah. There weren't anyone. They else weren't coming there. to your door and saying, "Hey, that that's trash. Let me buy it from you." Right. You were taking it to them because you wanted something else. They were the first ones to come in with the idea of, hey, trade your shit into us, and we'll give you credit. But Funko Land, its original, its, its original identity was very cool. And then you had the bigger boys come in and buy Funko Land, and, and which then turned into... Uh, EA Games. Or basically turned into... EA Games, sorry. Yeah, but in the end, was all owned by GameStop. Yep. So, but... I mean, you know, I'm talking even even like our local guys, uh, Disc Replay. Yeah. You know, yeah, even he has three stores. 
Okay, so I mean he's he's the bigger of the of the fish around here, but I can call out Destiny Games in Canton. I can call out Gamers Ave in Garden City. All these shops are I'm glad they exist. Some of them have struggled in the in the recent years because of this boom in in gaming and, and everybody trying to rush and, and win this war to the first person to this garage sale, the first person to this you know eBay auction, whatever it is. And it just frustrates me because this weekend I got to go out and I actually had something happen where I was able to, without rushing around at 6 in the morning to try to get to these locations first, because that's what you have to do nowadays. If you're not first, you're going to miss it. I just went out with my wife and I enjoyed my time in Waterford, Michigan. It's primarily where I hung out. And I found a flea market at Dixieland, uh, which has an indoor section that's more like a trade center, kind of like Taylortown. And But their outdoor section was nice weather, and they had all these people come out. And there's a lot of video games kind of hidden throughout throughout this uh, area. And, and they range from about a dollar to five dollars is what people were selling for. You know? And uh, I, 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 got, I walked away with some pretty, some pretty decent deals. Nothing like, you know, I'm not talking I walked away with a game that's valued at a hundred dollars. Like, no. I, you know, a game that maybe, maybe I'd have to buy from a store for 20 bucks, I got for five bucks. Cool. Then I was able to find a new uh, family-owned game store in Waterford, Michigan uh, called The Toy Box. Okay, And this is uh, located on 5635 Dixie Highway. It's uh, the Waterfall Plaza. I'm giving them a plug because these people were so awesome. Okay, I, I met the uh, husband and wife who also run it along with the, uh, with their son. And this store was legit. These people have ran this store for 20 years, and they are gamers, man. I mean, I had these, these people that were, you know, my parents' age, out-talking me in video games. It was, it was like I was in heaven, honestly. It was, it was, they had all sorts of cool rare games. Their pricing was fair. Like, you know, finding games like Metal Storm that's like, $50-$60 under value that's that's awesome you know you don't see that and, and, and because of it they have such a loyal community well and it wasn't just that I think the whole experience that you got where you found a game you asked how much it was and they noticed your your business and they gave you a game for free you know they catered to the fact that you obviously are a person who's looking for stuff you're educated and you were nice to work with and yeah. they rewarded you for that. Absolutely. And that's not something you get from a GameStop where they're corporate-driven. It's not something you get from Destiny Games because they work for a boss that owns the company. Exactly. So in these mom-and-pop shops, you get a more personal touch, but you also get a better value in your shopping experience, not just price, but through the way that they treat you. Yeah. And, you know, they were they were super willing to talk. They they gave me a, a pretty, a pretty in-depth rundown of their history you know and it was it was very cool to hear how how they got to where they are now um but and we're working we're working actually they've already agreed that we're going to be working out something to do an interview with them so you guys can you guys will get that uh, that origin story about their company and uh, and hear a little bit more um from the owners of the toy box but man i just instantly made me feel like a kid again it just made me feel like good you know it made me like i wanted to buy more from them i wanted to give them my money because i believed in what they were doing 
so many times do I give money to somebody, to a company, and just because I want that product, and then I feel fucking dirty because of it almost, you know? But it's like, well, I had to, you know, had to sacrifice this so I could get, get you know, the, this item that I haven't been able to find anywhere else. You know, like, I bought my complete in-box Metroid from Disc Replay, and it hurt a little bit because... Even though Disc Replay is a smaller company, they I never deal like just like you said, I got to deal face to face with a with the true gamer, the true owner of this business, and it was awesome, you know. But Disc Replay, there's too many times where I ask for something and they just stare at me like, you know, what's that? It's in your store. What do you mean, what's that? It's right over here. And I don't expect everybody to be an expert at everything, but still, it's 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 you know deflating sometimes. So. Uh, on a standpoint from retro game hunting, when you're when you're out and about looking for locations to shop from, trying to find deals, what are some things that you look for in a location that has stock of games to kind of like tell you, okay, this could be a good place. This I could get a good deal here. I could find some nice things that I'm looking for. Yeah, I mean a good balance right now is when you find these game shops because there are a lot of them popping up here and there, and some of them are true great shops like we just talked about, and some of them are try to get, you know, make a quick buck, you know. And that's, I think, the first thing I pay attention to is you walk in and most of the time if someone has managed to open a store, they probably have some gems in the store. Looking at what they're asking for their items will instantly tell you what they're in the business for, you know. And I'm not going to bash any companies. I kind of already made fun of Disc Replay a little bit. But I've been in stores that want $40 more for something that I can walk into a Toys R Us right now and buy, and they're trying to sell it on their shelf for that, so and it blows, and, and it instantly just tells me, I don't want to do business with you. So you're saying like, well, we'll use Destiny Games for an example. It covers a large spectrum of gaming media, from retro to current gen. Yes, but the one you went to in Waterford was strictly more retro, old school style games. Yeah, and they were honest with they, they admitted that. You and know, would they you were like they hate they hate new games? And would you find that that you're going to get a better deal and get a better experience from a place that's that's focused more on a specific era of games or one that's more broad? I think, I mean, I think when you're more focused, you. A, you're more of an expert of what you're selling, and so I think because of that, you. You're, you you can be more fair. I think it I think it can also backfire and you can be price gouging because you so, think you know what you have. For example, you went to a place in what was that really shady place? Downriver. Downriver, was it? Yeah. And and yeah, this person, names. we're not going to name the name of it, but this place um basically charged you uh, like you had said like 40 or 50 dollars more per game and if you argued with them would basically cost you your shopping experience. Yeah, you were, there, ba- there was, you were banned. There was no if ands, or buts, no ha- haggling of, of shopping in this place at all. And the sad aspect of this is that in that store, there were so many golden gems. I mean, things that I haven't seen anywhere else. And the only reason they're sitting there is because no one will pay the asking price. Right. So they just sit in this... And you this know, is like shop. a this is like a physical then gouger. This is yes. a, this is a person who who sits on these games because of the value, not because of the experience. This is also the per, this is also a facility that I saw. You know, like a collector's edition of let's just throw out Skyrim. Okay, there were ten of them all sealed. Yeah, 
like all they do is they buy up and then they just stock up and try and, and, and throw a ridiculous price on them because if they you know eventually someone will pay it because there will be nowhere else to, you know and this is I know this is stretching the truth but there's nowhere else to go but here type deal you know and and, and this came down to systems everything I mean they had so much stuff. And I believe the reason they had such an incredible inventory is because they don't sell that much, simply because it doesn't take anyone that has a little bit of internet skill, a little bit of of game knowledge to realize that you're overpriced. Mm -hmm. And it's sad because, again, like it was the 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 experience of the shop was exciting, and then it instantly was deflated because of the price points. And the customer service. Okay, so so to kind of recap, you'd say like it, those more mom and pop, those more personal experiences can lead to better deals in games, typically. I, absolutely, because I feel like if you can have a interaction with a employee or an owner, and you can have that interaction where you can build. Uh, not I want to call it obviously a friendship, but a relationship where you are respecting each other because this industry, this this topic that you're talking about, you realize both of you share an interest. Yeah, and because of that, you have a fun conversation. So even if I pay you the the going rate for this game, I, it's worth it more to me because of the interaction that doesn't exist in this day because people are buried in their smart devices. People they just they don't. It, everything has to be instantaneous. Everything has to be. Uh, everything's so disconnected. So when you have that that storytelling and that, especially when you're hunting retro video games, there's a story to everything that you're buying because everything you're buying is 20 years old practically. So like, share it and experience it and and have have these stories to t- to tell other people. You know, and there's so many of my games in, in my game room that I can look at the box and I can tell you the story of how of what happened to get that box. And that's part of the the enjoyment and it's part of why I like to hunt. So I you know, yeah, it's it's frustrating the way the things are going and it also scares me because I could see the downfall of this of collecting because of this. And, you know, that being led to this, it's going to inflate to this point where people are not going to pay $300 for Earthbound and, you know, $500 for a Chrono Trigger cartridge. And eventually either two things are going to happen. People are just going to hold on to their stash. This is the other thing. People like me are buying this stuff up with no intention of letting it go. Well, because you already did that. I, <laughs> right, yeah, exactly. Which is, yeah, that's true too, you know. You were, in the day and age of as us as children, we were... We didn't know. We didn't know, and it was always the, oh, I want the N64, here's all my SNES stuff. It was, well, you were chasing in the new thing. You weren't really holding on to the old because everything was getting better in our eyes. Yeah. Um, but, so, like, as of right now, so you, so you hunt for individual games, you hunt for complete and box stuff. Is there things that you, like, recommend or have people keep an eye out for just to kind of make sure that they're they're getting the best quality and and close to a good deal uh, that they could find yeah i mean if you're a game collector and, and and you're you're having a hard time i mean obviously a tool that's free that you should use is um craigslist I, and but you know my tip to you is that when you're when you are contacting these people you know explain to them that you're a game collector that you're trying to recover some things that you lo- that you had as a child, you know. Um, tell your story. 
like we just talked about. If you have a story about something that you're looking that, that somebody has, tell them that story because there's a better chance that they might set that aside for you than some guy that's trying to talk them down and be like, oh, well, yeah, I'll take all your games for $2 per cartridge. Like, you know, be personal, especially considering if you want that in return. And I honestly, if you do that, you're going to get, you, you'll find some people that don't care, but you will meet a lot of people that are really cool. And that's how I've gotten some of my best stuff. I've gone into garage sales that had zero video games in their garage sale. And simply by having a conversation with them and asking the question and explaining why I'm there, they go in and they come out with a treasure that wasn't ever going to be in the garage sale. So that's another tip. If you're garage sailing, don't be afraid to ask. If it's not out, it doesn't mean they might not have something that they just didn't think was even worth putting out. Well, I mean, I remember you like going out and shopping for video games one time last year, and then you're like, Chops, they have all these tr- Power Rangers toys. Yes. Like, and this was before they re-released them. So, like, e- even if you ask a question for something else, it could spur the, th- the thought of another thing. So, exactly. like, just, like you said, being personable, telling them about your interests, you- you'll be surprised how well you can do at a garage sale as if you're just willing to try hard. Yeah. Try a little harder. I mean, yeah, there's some effort you definitely have to put in. You don't, you know, don't expect things to be given to you, you know, but at the same time, if you feel like a city is just not working out for you, just get away from that city. You know, I I live in Livonia, Michigan. I don't waste my time in Livonia. It's too tapped. You have you have stores like disc replay in Livonia. So people know people have now been told, bring your stuff here. We'll pay you cash. And they're looking in those, you know, they've already picked out those towns already. So So you want to outside surrounding areas. Yeah. It's not, it's not to say don't stop here and there every once in a while in your city, but you know, I worked my way out to Waterford the other day because it was like, well, there's an area I haven't tried and I had a really good experience, which means I think I will explore Waterford more often this year, you know, but I have my, that's the other thing. You just have your areas that you feel, you know, you'll have, you'll gain a feeling. You'll understand, call it luck, call it whatever you, whatever you want to call it. You'll have those areas that you just feel better about. And those are the areas you should focus. So is there anything that you found recently or altogether one thing that you Got a great deal on, and we're surprised that you could get. I mean, this past weekend, I was really happy with getting uh, Adventure Island um, for the NES, complete in the box, with the manual, for $14. Wow. Uh, I picked up uh, Super Return of the Jedi, complete in the box, with manual, for $12. Those were pretty good. Those were I, I was pretty happy with those finds. I'd say, you know, one of my cool finds I, I was uh, a Dragon Ball Z PS3 game, um, Battle for the Z, Battle for Z, and uh, it was one I haven't added to my collection because it, it's for, it holds a higher value, and uh, I got it for five bucks. So you know, I was I was pretty happy about that. And the, and the and he knew it was worth, that's the thing. He told me to sell it to me for five bucks. He told me it was worth thirty online, which I knew. And I was like, why, you know it's worth this, you know, but he's like, yeah, I'm just, you know, trying to make a little bit of money. Like, he didn't care, and that's why instantly he got my sale. I, like, I didn't, like, you know, I would have I would have given him 20 bucks for it. And, uh, but he was a cool guy, so I don't know. I mean, it's just, that's the type of things that happens because you hold a conversation with the dude. He had a bunch of games on a table next to car parts. And I was like, and he had no prices on them. And I was like, well, how much for the games? He's like, eh, five bucks each. Yeah, Xbox One games on the table. Yeah, <laughs> Dying Light on the table, five bucks. 
I didn't buy it for the simple reason. I already own Dying Light. Right. Someone else can enjoy that game. Right. That's how I shop. I don't look to sit there and throw it on eBay and make five bucks. So let's let's talk about the seller's advantage due to eBay. <laughs> yeah. It, it, it seller, seller's advantage and, and buyer's huge disadvantage in the concept that how many times uh, Ethan has this has a story for this one. I'm happy how, to share. Uh, yeah. How many times have you found something? Either it doesn't have a price point or something happens where the answer is, let me check eBay. I, I, th- I hate this. I was in uh, a video game store in Mount Pleasant, Michigan. I, fr- I was a frequent customer in there. And they just, you know, it, it's a college town, so they just had college kids working in there. And so I never actually met anyone that was an owner, anyone with so- any sort of authority in the store. I roll in and they had a, a like small milk crate full of Game Boy Advance games. And I asked if I could go through it and see if there's anything I wanted to buy. And, you know, it has games like Harry Potter and SpongeBob and Rocket Power and like shovelware for the Game Boy Advance, like stuff that no one's ever going to want. And I'm digging through and I'm digging through. And a lot of this stuff's marked $3, $5. The most expensive thing I saw in this bin, I think, was nine ninety nine. I'm going through, and I find Castlevania Double Pack. So it's a it's a game that you know has two Castlevania games for Game Boy Advance, and so I you know I tell the girl, oh, I'm interested to buy this one. It was in the the value crate, but it doesn't have a price on it. And she then says, oh well, I have to check eBay. <laughs> And I was kind of like, I was ready to offer you like $20 for this game, even 30. I, I, you know, if she's like, oh, I don't know. I would have offered 30 and she's like, um, $63. And I was like, nope, not happening. And she's like, well, that's what it's going for on eBay. I go, that's great. That probably has the box. I go, and I found this game in your value bin. It was, it was never going to get sold because no one else was going to dig through that. And I was like, and I'd happily pay th- 20 or 30 for you, but I'm not going with that. And sure enough, between 30 and $39 is a fair price for a loose cartridge on eBay. I'm even looking right now as we're talking about this. Uh, complete in box. Then we're getting up to the $60 price range, $70 price range. If you have a box, uh, some of these mint even over $100. So I get it. It wasn't an inexpensive game, but it was just unfortunate that this girl's like, well, I have to go to eBay. She found the high buy it now price. And then that's what she was trying to charge me in a store where I found a valuable item that they would not have sold. And that's the problem with eBay is that it is a tool. I will will never sit there and say eBay is not a tool. You should definitely go and look at eBay when you're trying to gauge things, especially as a buyer. Go to eBay and then turn it – turn whatever you're searching for, turn it to bids only. And that is where you're going to find the true value of something. The problem with so many of these sellers, though, is that they think they have something. They get a copy of Ocarina of Time for the N64, which has 20 fucking million copies of it out there. And they go on to eBay and they go, oh, this guy's trying to do this. Buy it now for $53 for the cartridge. That's what my game's worth. No, that guy's fucking auction has been on on eBay for four months because it's way overpriced. And that cartridge should be a $20 to $25 cartridge. That's okay. So the problem with eBay is that too many people misuse it, and it's always the seller for the most part. Uh, not for the most part, it's always the seller, and the buyer pays the price, unfortunately. And you know, so like example, it's when you find things like my Adventure Island. I was shocked. I was like, "Whoa, 
Um, this is undervalued. You know, so and, and it was it was clean. It wasn't like you know it was undervalued because the box was mashed up. No, this this is a mint, you know, box completed box of Venture Island. So I was happy. But then other times you'll turn around and someone will want a hundred and ten dollars for a loose copy of Mega Man. Yeah, yeah, I've seen things like that. <laughs> like, I mean, it, it's insane. You know, um, uh, I've I've seen so much. I've seen I've seen a, a seventy five dollar copy of Super Metroid with no, and I repeat, no label on it. <laughs> the only reason you knew it was it was Metroid Super Metroid was because you put it in the system. That was at that place downriver that you were, I was talking garbage. about. Garbage, yeah, hot garbage. So um, yeah, eBay is eBay in many ways has killed uh, has killed hunting. In the sense that, um, like, back in the day, you'd have a chase, a chase figure, or or a chase like a toy. Like I remember the original X Men movie. My buddy Doug and I wanted uh, the original Rogue that came from the movie, one per box, and we knew that Toys R Us got them on Tuesdays. So we'd ride our bikes to Toys R Us and hope that the comic book store guy didn't get there and buy the Rogue, right? And when we got that rogue, it was like an accomplishment. Now the problem is, is that when I'm lazy, all I do is hop on eBay and buy the rogue. And so it's just taking that excitement, that fun out of it uh, sometimes. And it's sad. At the same time, it's cool. eBay is, is a cool tool when maybe you want to acquire something that you just have not seen locally. So so I can I can tell it like a positive story about eBay. Uh, last Christmas, uh, I was doing I a little bit of shower. What do you say? I said last Christmas I gave you my heart. Last Christmas I gave you my heart. We like singing on this show. The very next day. Okay. You gave We're getting it real away. close to the copyright issue here. <laughs> cut so, it. Cut it. So my fiance is Toy Story crazy. She loves Toy Story. She has almost all of the toys from Toy Story, and she's very picky where she wants them to be as movie accurate as possible. So one of the few remaining toys she did not have was Ken from you know from Toy Story Three, the Ken doll. Well, I don't know if they ever actually released a Toy Story 3 edition of this Ken doll, but the one she wanted was from 1988, and it was the doll they modeled the Ken for the movie off of. Yeah, roughly going between $80 and $110 loose. Like, that's without the box. I, you know, she knew I, I can't afford to spend $80 on a Ken doll for her. Sorry. You know, I love you, but it's a Ken doll. I got it for 30 shipped in the box with all the accessories. Wow. Like, that was one of those moments where yeah. I was like, this is awesome. This is something. eBay worked for me today. Like, I didn't get gouged. They didn't have some buy it now price that was, like, way too high. You know, I went ahead. I went in and bid it. I won it on the bid war, and it and it was awesome. But, you know, how often do you try to find some obscure collectible and it doesn't really pan out for you? It doesn't pan out because you have a lot of snipers that are that are other, like, collect, collect, well, not even collectors. They're resellers trying to, you know, oh, this is going to undersell, so I'll buy it and resell it. But also, how many times, like, a great example is Amiibos. You get an exclusive Amiibo from Nintendo that hits Target. And somehow, this dude on eBay walks away with 30 of them. When you could, when you went to six Targets and you couldn't find one, this guy got 30 of them. He even has the box that they shipped in somehow, okay? And he has no problem showing that on the photos that he's selling. Douche 30 bag. of these that are trip three to four times the cost of what what it retail is on this item. That's the shit I hate to see. It just kills collectibles. It kills it kills the you know everything. 
and I and I'm a grown man, but like there's kids that want this stuff, man. There's dads and moms that want to share these things with with their kids. You know, pass along. Like I know that when Chops has a kid, he will share the Legend of Zelda just like his dad helped him with Legend. Like there's those those moments, and and it shouldn't be restricted because. There's limited copies, and everybody should pay top dollar because this guy that doesn't even know what the Legend of Zelda is is selling. It ha, you know controls all the copies. It's just it sucks, and and it ruins the fun for most people. As negative as this got, though, game hunting is fun. Retro gaming is is a blast. I love it. I will never stop doing it. But um, hopefully, you got some tips from here. If you guys want, feel free to head over to bxap.com and on our forum. You can ask any questions you want about this. If you, if you want some further tips or if you're wondering, you know, where I was able to find, if you're local, where I was able to find some of my my uh, my good, really good finds, um, you know, please ask. I'm willing to, to tell you anything I can help you with. I'm also willing to tell you what to stay away from, like buying a copy of Earthbound and not checking the cartridge and getting home and realizing that the cartridge had been tampered with and after you dropped Almost two hundred dollars on it. Praying to God that it's not a counterfeit copy. Also, don't buy Pokemon games from a, from a flea market. They or, are or often fake. Yeah. Or know what to look for. Yeah. Or know what to look for. But uh, yeah, I mean, you know, I've dealt with counterfeit games. I've dealt with a lot of this stuff. So if you guys have any questions, hit us up on the forum. I would love to talk more about this. But uh, we're running a bit long, and we're going to move on with the show. And uh, yeah, I can't wait for next weekend to continue my game hunting. So. All right, uh, so what do we got next up? Uh, is it some Retro Relapse? Uh, I think before Retro Relapse, oh. we're going to enjoy a tasty treat. Chops, take it away. Tasty beverage is about to hit your palates, my friends. And it is in the style of a classic video game drink. This video game drink has been around for quite some time, and it has spanned a long generation of games for this Series and it is the Fallout series. Recently, we posted on our Facebook page a recipe for the Nuka Cola using Pepsi and Coke products. But here at BXAB, since we live in D Town, Detroit, sit Rock City, we are going to make this the Detroit Nuka Cola using Detroit based pops. Boom. Fago, bitches. Fago. Fago. So, shout out to Dirty Dylan because we think he's a juggalo and probably likes drinking Fago. He's probably going to love this. I'm pretty sure he's written us about Fago. So, shout out to Dirty Dylan and his Fago. Also, shout out to Fago because I fucking love Fago. Fago. Love you, Fago. If you are from somewhere else in the world and you've never had a rock and rye, then you you haven't haven't lived. lived. You haven't lived. Red pop. Then you need to take There's no pop out there that's the taste of a color. Yeah. Red pop. (laughs) You need to take. A line out of Jazzy and get on our level and try Fago. I don't care if you have to have it shipped from eBay. Get a Fago, and it's, overpay for it, and drink that shit. It's naturally caffeine-free, which I love about it. I love that. I mean, if it was loaded with caffeine, I guess I wouldn't care. As long as it tasted the way it does. Mm. Anyways, so, I'd probably drink a swimming pool full of Rock and Rye every year. Absolutely. <laughs> Gross. Diabetes. So Anyways, Diabetes. so this Nuka-Cola Detroit style is going to be as follows. One-third cup. A Fago Rock and Rye, one third cup of Fago Cola, and one third cup of Fago Moon Mist. So, without further ado, we're going to review this for you. So, so Jay, for for people that aren't nearly as blessed as us uh, Metro Detroiters, can you explain what Rock and Rye tastes like? Just just the oh, Rock and Rye itself, because Moon see. Mist is Mountain Dew, uh, Fago Cola is a cola. 
But Rock and Rye is special to us here in Southeast Michigan. Well, you can get it in Michigan, Ohio, Indiana, yeah. maybe a little bit like Kentucky and Illinois, but I would Midwest, have to say that Rock and Rye being being one of my, if not my number one favorite drinks, is a mix of epic saga. Uh, maybe some mystery with a little bit of fantasy, and you blend that all together, and you get this. Those, those words made no sense. <laughs> no, it does. It makes listen when you, when you know what rock and rye is, it makes perfect sense. So it's actually, <laughs> but it's actually a little bit of cola, a little bit of red pop, a little bit of cream soda. You blend that shit together, and you get this tasty, tasty drink called Fago Rock and Rye. Well, um, all these sounds get on here. Oh I, yeah, Chops I, is. Pouring the moon mist I, right now. I or? will say though that uh, I came late to the rock and rye game. I was not early on. I did not drink a lot of Fago at all. Um, so it's been more. I mean, it's been years, but still, uh, I was a late adapter to Fago. I uh, I used to as a youth. Uh, friends' parents used to just to get us out of the house. They'd give us each like two bucks, and we go up to the local liquor store that also had a pizza oven. And for two bucks, you could get yourself a slice of pizza and a fago. And I almost exclusively bought rock and rye. So as a youth, I was drinking a ton of rock and rye every summer. Well, let's also talk about how affordable rock and rye or uh, fago. fago pop is. Back yeah. in the day, you used to get a twenty-four ounce for sixty-nine cents. And when I say back in the day, I mean like, like early 10 years ago. Yeah, maybe? like early two thousands. <laughs> yeah. Still 24 not ounces for 69 cents. Still not terribly priced. It's Compar- between a buck and a buck 20. Yeah. Comparable to, to other pops, uh, it's it's still the value pop. But but again, it doesn't taste like shit. So it's, you know, we call it a value pop, but it's it's tasty as hell. So, the yeah, I drink a ton of value pop growing up in a, a family of three. You know, my, my parents are like, well, if we're buying pop, we're doing it on the cheap. And so I drink a lot of rock and rye. Also, a weird thing about rock and rye, it does not matter how long you let it sit after shaking it the slightest amount, it will explode. There is <laughs> yeah. no pop more explosive rock it's and rye, and it's volatile. red. It's a red color. It's like a dark red, yep. and it will stain everything, but it, it doesn't matter. If you shake it the slightest bit, leave it set for six days. you got to crack it up, and boom, rock and rye I everywhere. will say the Fago is the worst for carpets. <laughs> they yeah. have so many pops that will just dye your carpet, and you're fucked. Great I'm pop. glad we're just talking Red about pop. Rock and Riot. Yeah, I'm, I'm glad we're just talking about pop right now. Yeah. Anyways, real quick. This video game podcast got off the rails when we got is, started talking about is there it. Any other sugar video, to play video games. Is there any other video game food before I hand you these drinks that you would like to partake in a real-world adaptation of? Oh, man. Uh, that, I would, that I actually would be interested in. Um... Oh yeah, that clink. Yeah, Ethan was wait. Ethan's been waiting for that clink. Just tell the story of these delicious Nuka Colas. Yeah, mm. it smells great. It smells, it smells amazing. Smells real good. I'm really, but, but yeah, I'm really it smells like diabetes. But what about this question though? Anything else in video game food wise that really comes down to something? Maybe some of the uh, renditions of Turtles Pizza because they've they tried some interesting things in Turtles. And we we have we have a local pizza place that I think is the incarnate of cartoon Ninja Turtles Pizza, and it's called Slice of the Eighties. Great, great place. So so we'll get back to the question: How is the how is this concoction, this Detroit style Nuka Cola? I'm swishing around in my palate right now. Hold on. Yeah, I would have to say. <laughs> Don't spill it on yourself, Ethan. I thought my clothes would be permanently stained. <laughs> my favorite thing in your skin. My favorite thing about this. <laughs> my favorite. Four kids th- use it as hair dye. Rock and rye. <laughs> <laughs> 
if you ever wondered why my lips look so weird, Fago. Uh, our organs. <laughs> Fago colored. Uh, this concoction, it, my favorite thing about it is the aftertaste. It's like you don't oh. taste the moon mist until well, so the aftertaste. So, do we see what moon mist is like? It's like Mountain Dew. It's, yes. a, it's, it's very similar to Mountain Dew. But, by the way, it says moon mist with a real kick on it. Yeah. See, the thing is, Mountain Dew you get from the mountain. Moon mist you have to get from the moon. That's it's right. imported. Yeah. From space. It's imported from space. <laughs> it's, it's, from space directly into my heart. Fago needs to, needs to take that. Fago needs to take that for marketing right there. Oh, man. If they're willing to offer now, me a job, I will gladly accept. Now, I will say that this isn't, as, this isn't enough cola, I think, for me, as I would think a Nuka-Cola would be. Because I think of it being a little bit more harsh, but this is very sweet and subtle. Now, I've never played Fallout uh, because I like having a life and I don't want to flush it down the toilet. So, uh, I mean, I, I can't commit to Fallout. It's too, ma- too massive for me. But isn't Nuka-Cola, hasn't it been sitting or didn't it like survive a nuclear war? Yeah, so there's Nuka-Cola, there's Nuka-Cola Quantum, which is like even more radiated, which I think would be like a moon mist citrus style version yeah. of it. So yeah. so but wouldn't acid style. the the cream soda and the rock and rye sort of I almost want to say mellows out the harsher tones of the cola, which makes it taste almost more like a stale like a, a flat cola, and I imagine Nuka-Cola is always no matter how you drink it would be a little flat cuz again, survived the nuclear war. It's good. <laughs> it's just delicious. Honestly, I, I I think this went better than I thought it would have because Thinking of a Coke and Pepsi products, it, it does not compare to the flavors that you get from a Fago brand. Yes, I mean you're using cream soda. You're using red pop. Red pop. No, no, no. For for the Coke and Pepsi version, you're using oh, cream oh, soda. Oh, you're yeah. using Coke, and you're using Mountain, Mountain Dew. Dew. Yeah. What Mountain cream soda Dew, do you buy that's not Fago? I won't be personally. I don't. Jones? I don't, I don't, is Jones the only other? I, I don't, don't know. know of another cream oh, soda I would drink. Barks has a red cream soda you can buy. There you go. I guess. It, you and it's that. similar to Rock and Rice. Not as good, but it's similar. But other versions of this we have heard is a jolt in, a pl- in place of cola, the Coca Cola. <laughs> yeah, if you want, um, like, you if know, you want, you know, diabetes for seven times two. Science story about jolt. And, you know, this was the really early days. related to video games. Really early days of. Of energy drinks, there was like Red Bull, there was Orbit, and then there was Jolt. Like that was your only options. I drank so much Jolt in high school. The lady that owned the Seven Eleven by the high school just called me Jolt Guy. And if I was getting anything else, she's like, "Oh, Jolt Guy, you're not getting a Jolt today." Like, oh, no, no, I'm, I know uh, exactly which Seven Eleven you're talking oh, about. Oh yeah, I know which one too, actually. Yeah, because you used to live right <laughs> yeah. there. So she called me Jolt Guy, and one time I was in there with my mom. Like we were in there together, and she goes, "Your son is so nice, but he needs to drink less Jolt." <laughs> and my mom's like, "Of all." things at least at least the latest 7-eleven doesn't think you're a jerk oh, so man. Yeah. <laughs> well <laughs> oh geez i would say this uh this experiment has gone well i don't I'm know very how much enjoying i it. don't know how radiated we are now though because nuka cola is i, I almost want this to be in a bottle of its own like i want to be able to buy this <laughs> would it just be like a fago mystery flavor Ooh, yeah maybe. fago get a hold of bethesda Let's work this deal out. So Push we'll Jones take, we'll soda out of the way. Jones we'll take did 20, it originally. Yeah, we'll take 20% yeah. for coming up with the idea. Or just become a sponsor. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, ooh, Fago. Fago is a sponsor. That'd be huge. we got to work on that. We're going to tag the so, hell out of this so episode. So have you had a chance, Fago. though, to think about other video, other game, video foods. game foods that you would enjoy partaking in? Dragon meat. 
Ooh, succulent dragon meat. Ooh. I just remember playing Monster Hunter all the time and like slaying slaying these big dragons, and then you just you take out this giant knife and you always cut it up, and you have all these slabs of meat. <laughs> but then you just all of a sudden you hit a button and you pop up a campfire and you and you cook the meat up and you eat it, and it seems like the guy you know he regains health, he seems happy, doesn't get any diseases. I'd like to try it. I know what I'd like to try. Uh, as I've talked about a couple of times uh, today, I'm a Castlevania fan, so I'd love just a piece of chicken that I have to break through a wall to eat. You know, like it's just a big big turkey leg or big chicken leg that was in a wall. That's the recipe I'd like to try. So, like, we can just sprinkle sprinkle some uh, drywall on a piece of chicken, and I'll eat it. That's a, that's a beautiful candle right there. Whip. Oh, look, chicken. 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 I love candle chicken. Oh, gee, mama, you making candle chicken tonight? Mmm. Waxy. I'd love to see like a real life version of <laughs> Castlevania, and like behind everything, you see like a, a rotisserie chicken hay sitting on a candlestick, like behind the candle, like you couldn't see it. Uh, okay, or there's like axe under a carpet. <laughs> Just weird shit. Birds holding things. A mace. <laughs> I wouldn't mind trying psychedelic mushrooms like Mario. <laughs> mm. That's a good one. Yeah, that's, that's a, a really that's a real one. good one. I'm having a hard time thinking of ones, but uh, oh, maybe oh, the, maybe oh. a cake from one of the um, cooking uh, mamas. The cooking mamas. Yeah. I got one. Or pr- the P- fat princess game. Oh, I would yeah, like to good. taste a energy tank. Oh, you a know, real life energy tank. Believe yep. it or not, I'm walking on air. I just want to. I never thought I could feel so free. <laughs> to the I just want to. I just want to like take an electrical line and bite into it and see what happens. Oh, yeah. That's probably equal, right? They, you know, they made energy tank energy drinks. They did, and they did. I want to say, is either Elle or my sister got me the the Duff? No, I have a Ghostbusters energy drink. I have a Mega Man E tank, and I want to say maybe I have a Flaming Mo. I have a energy Duff, drink, and I have, I have a, a Duff one as yeah, well. The Duff one's good. I have a bunch of energy drinks I'll never eat just because I love. I just love the. And cans. You can't eat them. Well, I drink, drink them. them. I'm yeah, sorry. Them. I mean, you could eat them if you they eventually they the can. The Nuka-Cola is going to my brain. Ooh, you just burped. Good one. Ooh, let's just. I'm gonna get my last sip in. Mine's gone. Mine's gone. Cherish it. Cherish it. Cherish it. it. <sighs> there it is. Yeah. Well. So, out of, out of an 8-bit scale, Chaz, what do you give your personal Nuka-Cola recipe you came up with? Well, based I'd, on another Nuka-Cola I'd recipe. give it a 7, um, mostly because I want to keep drinking it. <laughs> and it took a little, it just takes time to make. Um, uh, but but also a 7 because I'd love to experiment with it. Try some different levels of mixing, maybe even throwing in another, maybe throwing in red pop to add a little bit more sweetness to it. Um I think, or using the straight up uh, cream soda and red pop and cola and moon. Yeah. You know, basically concentrating those flavors a little bit more, I think would be really, really good. I give it a a solid, I would say seven. I kind of like that weird after kick of moon mist. I really like, and I kind of want a little more. So I think, like you said, tweaking the blend a tiny bit to get that result. And I do really like your idea of instead of relying on Rock and Ride, just giving you those three different, breaking it up and having them individual, so you have full control of your mix, would be pretty interesting. Yeah, I'm gonna give it. I'm gonna give it a six. I think there's still room to grow with the recipe like we've talked about. If we want to make it more Detroit-style Nuka-Cola, we can maybe add malt liquor. Oh. 
Detroit <laughs> no, style. No, 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 no. You guys ever had a brass monkey? Uh, of course. Yes, yes I have. Yeah, brass monkey is a good time. Disgusting. It sort of tastes like bottled puke, but uh, you get kind of drunk of, and it's kind of Sort of tastes like bottled puke? Well, it's puke. fine. That's the kind of stuff you drink in college. Why don't you tell the listeners what it is? So, if you're poor and or in college, <laughs> I encourage you to drink a brass monkey. Uh, They've no, written a song it. about don't it. Don't do it. You drink a 40 of malt liquor down to the label, where the top of the label is, and then you fill it back up all the way to the top with orange juice, and you roll it across the floor to mix it up, Brass Monkey. It's got kind of a pukey aftertaste, but oh, it's good. God. It's like a poor man's mimosa. No, what? it's not. Yes, it is. Poor man's that is mimosa. A, that is a homeless man's mimosa, okay? Regardless, <laughs> if you're in college and you have never partied with Brass Monkey, you're not doing college. The sad part is he's done this well outside of college. Oh, yeah. That's not true. I only did it in college. Uh -uh. Bullshit. Bullshit. I haven't done it after college. No. no I might might do it uh, next week. Next week when we record The Legend of Retro, maybe I'll have a brass monkey. Uh -uh. Uh, That has to be related to a game in some way. While next week I say we play some sort of monkey-related retro game. Monkey Island. Here we come. Or some Danky Kang. Danky Kang. <laughs> Personal favorite of mine. Here, oh, we can boy. we can even get Elle here to drive me home because she loves Danky Kang. So win-win. I get drunk, my fiance drives me home, and we play Danky Kang. There we so go. So here's my question win, for win, you. Win-win-win. Triple win. There's not much left of any of these. Yes. Should I just mix them all together into one bottle? Yes. Okay. So continue with the segments. Well, we know what's up next then, guys. Here it is, Retro Relapse. Waiting to cue the music. Gotta cue the music and go. Jones in for a classic game. It's time for Retro Relapse on the Legend of Retro Podcast. Retro Relapse. All right, guys. We, uh, we're we here at Retro <laughs> Relapse. Um, if you... Yeah, if we scared you with a little bit of a different rendition of that, it's, uh, it's new. I'll and try to edit that a little bit. Yeah. Anyways... Um, <laughs> it sounds like Chaus is peeing into a bottle. <laughs> <laughs> Don't make him laugh. He's going to make a mess. Lots of expensive uh, equipment laying around here. All right. So Retro Relapse this week, we uh, we did try to have a very special um, surprise for... Um, I knew what was going to happen, but Ethan and Chops did not know. Uh, we talked about Doom and Doom clones and F- early FPS... And we came across this game called William Shatner's Tech Wars. And pew, pew. Um, I told my wife about it because it was just so ridiculous. And I'm like, yeah, it looked, it looked great. We're, we're, uh, we're traveling. We're like in the middle of the state. And I tell her about this. And she's like, oh, that sounds crazy. So she just starts to Google it. Real quick, real quick side note about Jay's wife, Jade, a.k.a. the Brick Bitch. The, the woman thrives on all things ridiculous. The more ridiculous it is, the more it fuels her. So Absolutely. as soon as you say first-person shooter starring William William Shatner, she's like like boiling with excitement. Absolutely. She's like a small dog. Absolutely. A small dog just shaking with excitement. So I tell her about this because it's just ridiculous, and she... Um, she then goes to look it up. She's like, "Oh, I want to, I want to know what this is about." So, about I would say, eh, thirty-two seconds after that, she turns to me and says, "Cool, we own a copy." And I was like, "What?" She's like, "Yeah." She bought it. She went online, bought it as we're driving in the car, and uh, it got delivered today. So we we decided we were going to try to run it. Well, here's the problem. It came out in like 95, was it? 94? 
Uh, something like that. It was early. Maybe not. Maybe earlier than that. I'll look it up. I think it might have been 92. Yeah, it was early. Well, anyways, it's a MDOS. It's a DOS program, and uh, you can't run those on current computers. If you're a Utes listening. That's pre-Windows. Pre-Windows. Um, if you're familiar with Command Prompt, it's very similar to that. But anyways, we had to download some shady software called, uh, what was it called? DOSBox. 95. 95, okay. DOSBox. <laughs> and try to emulate DOS to run this program. Needless to say, we got it to run. Uh, we got to see the intro, and every time the game would start, it would crash. And I and there's some programming that I'm missing with the install. Um, still learning this whole DOSBox uh, application. But we, we did not get to play the game. It looks ridiculous, and we have a great video of Chops opening the package and having no idea what it was. I was so excited. Um, so we will share that video on our social media, so make sure to, to keep an eye out for that. Keep an eye out for it. Um, Ethan had a pretty... You know what? I got to give you props. You had a pretty good reaction. For um, someone you had a pretty good ploy, too. Yeah, for someone... <laughs> for someone who's super weird about reacting and getting exciting, excited about things, I did, I did pull it together. I've been practicing being excited at a Appropriate times, I mean, not just being excited when you know animals are getting God, hurt or you, you know twisted like, things. You sound like a serial killer or sociopath. <laughs> <laughs> has no feeling. I've been practicing getting excited at appropriate time. <laughs> I'm, I'm a robot. I also don't like the human race, and I'm going to kill everybody. Yeah. And you are getting married, so you should probably practice this so that you can at least enjoy that. Yeah, because if you, you know, look like you're not having a good time, people are going to be questioning. I know. I get. You know, I, to be fair, I, I have a lot of fun when I'm with my fiance. So hopefully, she'll bring out the the natural enjoyment in me. Yeah. So the serial killer. In you. <laughs> I'll just be like deadpan. Like everyone's like dancing. Everyone's like bumping and grinding on the dance floor. I'm just gonna be deadpan, staring at everybody, thinking like, <laughs> I want to play that Shatner game. Yeah. <laughs> so we so we set it aside. We're gonna try to revisit it once like once we get the bugs worked out, and we decided to try another cool find that I uh, was able to pick up this last weekend. In uh, Kalamazoo, Kalamazoo, Michigan, a little store called Treasure Quest. That's is that where Western is? Yes. Oh. Yeah. This this shop's like right Fire by Jim. Western. <laughs> but uh, it's called Treasure Quest, and this was a cool shop. Like you walked in, they don't. It opened at four thirty p.m. We rolled right in, like right at that point, and we go in, and the first thing I see is just arcade cabinets. And this, there's one hallway. And to the ceiling is arcade cabinets down this hallway. And I can't see an employee. I can't see anything. It's just like, I'm probably going to die. This might not be a good idea. Something's going to fall on me but and you won't be able to move it. Yeah, but I'm going to go in anyways. And you work your way in and it opens up and there's more arcade games. And I'm talking arcade games like Tetris, Dig Dug, Donkey Kong, Silent Scope, the original. You know, like a lot of cool arcade cabinets, all really clean. And then it opens up, and there's all these glass cases with retro video games in them. Really cool small little shop. Owner's uh, name is Lyle, and uh, we got to hang out with him, talk with him. We got, I found some cool games, including uh, Vandal Knights for the Nintendo DS. Lunar Knights. Yes. For the Nintendo I, DS. I keep thinking Vandal Hearts. I am so sorry. Is Lunar there, Knights. Is there malt liquor in your Nuka Cola? <laughs> yes, there is. <laughs> Oh, by the way, I roofied all of you. Enjoy yes! your slumber. Okay, well, so jokes on you. I put a laxative in yours. Oh, <laughs> so yeah. Man, so that won't be the Lunar Nights. I am sorry. Lunar Nights was our choice, uh, which is a Kojima Productions 
game. Along with Ko- Konami. Or Konami. Who's that? Who's Kojima? The god Kojima. Yeah, that's all you need to know. Or the creator of Metal Gear Solid series. One or the other. Whichever one you want to like consider god. It's pretty much the same thing. Anyways, the uh, the game is for the Nintendo DS, and it... Uh, why Matt or Chuck's got to play with it, so why don't you talk about the mechanics real quick? Okay, so it's very similar to your typical JRPG uh, as far as upgrading certain things, but it's it's a little bit limited. So it's a single player RPG game. You play as this character that you get to name, and you have this cat Nero who provides a little bit above narration and functionality later on in the game. But it's a hack and slash in the style of like Star Ocean. Um, you have three main stats, an attack, a sh- uh, or health, a strength, and energy stat, basically. And you basically have a big sword that you use, but then you have accessories that you can equip that will allow you to have different items that are like a secondary item, like a shield. Um, things that help increase your vitality, your, your strength, your energy, such as armor, helmets, other kinds of accessories. And there's also a function in the game on elements. So... One of the main elements is your lunar, or I can't remember what they call it in this for some reason, but also there's lunar and soul damage, which are two of the main ones. So you'll be able to deal specific damage based on the modifier you choose uh, on your character. So like if you're going up a lo- against a lunar dark en- enemy and you use soul, it hurts them more, vice versa. So... There's some cool duality going on with this game, but what the other faction part of this game that I really, really enjoy is that your sword is this legendary dark blade that you get to power up via alchemy and recipes. So not only is your character unique upon abilities and accessories and attacks, but your weapon is unique based on what upgrades you can provide it. So it's, it's a really cool game. I, I highly recommend people picking it up because it's just something you're going to play and you're going to enjoy playing through and you're going to spend time leveling up your gear. Yeah, it's a super cool game. Uh, it was released in uh, North America in February of 2007. And a little bit of backstory. There are other games tied to the series called, uh, I believe it's Boktai, B-O-K... Bok Choy? No, 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 no. B-O-K-T-A-I. And uh, it started in the Game Boy Advance era. Well, Lunar Nights is pretty cool because there's something called in this game, if you want, you don't have to do it this way, but if you have these games, it's called the W-Gate slot. This game was released back when the DS Lite was still relevant. So you had the top slot for your DS, you had the bottom slot for your Game Boy Advance, you could actually put the old games in, and the old games had solar panels built into them where you charged your gun and stuff in the su- actual sunlight. It was like, hey, we want you to play video games, but we also want you to go outside. Right. Right? Natural you, light. You can still use those games to affect this game. which Even is, in the American version? Yes, which is very cool. Um, the sun sensor to play Lunar Nights... Uh, like the original uh, Boktai games, the option gives a player more of an advantage. Slotting a Game Boy Advance game into his DS, the W-Gate allows the player to use extra sunlight by adding the detached sun strength to the amount produced by the in-game weather system. So, the old games, you needed real real weather. The new game, it, it has like a gen, you know, self-generated right. system. So, you, you're getting like a, a boost because of this. Which getting, is neat. Yeah, which is neat. And um, the game... Primarily takes place on the bottom screen, 
and the upper screen has like your weapons, but it also has this a meter that fills up. So when you run this W gate, you actually the meter actually expand expands and gives you a bigger boost. But it depends on which game you put in by w- what effect you get. So there's three of these uh, Baktai games that uh, version one, version two, version three, and they each do something different. Oh, neat! Which is yeah, really cool. So again, something that you don't need to do at all. Well, and that was like you- a a functionality of the DS with a few games. I think there was a. I I don't want to say there was a Zelda game out there that did that, but there were some other games that when you plugged in an advanced cartridge in it, you benefited somehow from it. Yeah, exactly. There's like yeah, there was that weird cross share thing. Um, but this was this was a really unique way. And like just to give you, I'm not gonna read them all off, but to give you like one example, the if you put in the sun is in your hand. Uh, which was uh, version 1 in the Game Boy Advance slot, the standby character will fill his energy and it will also charge the solar station depending on how much sunlight hits the sensor. So it it takes the solar sensor on the Game Boy Advance cartridge and still makes it functional for this game, which is really cool. Um, So a lot of weird, unique mechanics that you just, that we haven't seen similar things. You don't see an newer system functioning as well with an older system like that these days. I mean, most developers cut ties with their older ones, but Nintendo has been key in this, like, is getting the Game Boy Advance adapter for your GameCube. Like, that was huge. Yeah. Another really cool mechanic in this game is blowing into your Nintendo DS microphone will cause the character to whistle which will draw attention to enemies. So you can hide around a corner. Oh, that's sweet. Blow, I didn't know and, that. And you can catch the the enemy's attention to come to you. Uh, in the old games, you did it, you did it by, uh, in the Game Boy Advance edition, you could do something called wall tap, which was a button, and you would tap the wall, and it would get the attention of the character. So they even kept the mechanic but twisted it a little bit where they could use the microphone on the DS, which, again, early DS games used more microphone functionality than uh, current DS games do because they've just... Some of it's gimmicky, and they just kind of ran out of, I think, ideas to use the microphone in different ways. But um, the game was overall, like, people loved it. So, I mean, you're talking... It was very well received. Yeah, Game Informer, 8 out of 10. GameSpot, 8.4 out of 10. Uh, GameZone and IGN, 8.4 out of 10. So, um, widely accepted to be a great game. The uh, Boktai games got a little bit of a lower rating because they were limited to actual sunlight and things right. like that. So um, it, they took a hit because, you know, it, it, if it was nighttime and your gun was depleted and you didn't have a UV light in your house, then you are kind of Well, fucked. I think Pokemon Silver and Gold were similar in that respect, too. They had a tr- they, That's <laughs> the reason the batteries are all dead in those nowadays. They had a true uh, 24-hour clock that you can only catch certain Pokemon when you played at night, which yep. expect to see in the new versions. Oh, yeah. Expect that. Yeah, uh, and then lastly, just because we didn't we didn't cover the second character, you you you, you play as the two characters. Uh, Lucian, Lucian is the dark. Uh, he's the vampire hunter who also can actually turn vampire yeah. and uh, you know and, and absorb energy and things like that. And then you have uh, Aaron, who is a sidekick sharpshooter, basically a female, and she uh, she's pretty badass. She wears these really cool green like optic uh, goggles. Yeah, she's got a really good rack. Sure. Yeah. 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 She does seem to Decent. have a, she does seem <laughs> to have a pretty good rack. Yeah. And let's actually. <laughs> 
I don't know why the boobs reminded me of this, but oh, okay. the cutscenes in this game are phenomenal. So they're movie quality, like o- OVAs, I think they're called. EVs, yeah, whatever but they're, they're like, it's like they're, an anime. They're, yeah, it's really decent. This the And you could tell, I think that was a feature of the Kojima slash Konami part of it, that they're really good storytellers in their games usually. So so having those cutscenes kind of bridge the gap between too much exposition from characters and then not enough. Granted, there's a lot of exposition from characters, but the cutscenes allow a little bit of a break from that. Yeah, exactly. So, um, beautiful game. The The music is, is ridiculous. It, it fits right into that JRPG and Kojima uh, style. Uh, a lot of, uh, up, like, just upbeat and fun. And uh, the game... The soundtrack's really good, too. Yeah, yeah. The game is just... It's a it's a ton of fun and and like you said there's a there's a lot of cool of the mechanics the one that we didn't mention that this game brings in or maybe you did mention is the weather control. I didn't mention that no. Yeah. But it's... So so there's there's a uh, th- you know thermometer and measures humidity and wind speeds and the and the weather is generated by in game not from local outside environment like the like the predecessors um, and there are five types of weather which is like balmy, subtropical, tropical rainforest, humid, uh, continental, arid desert, and frigid Arctic. I felt like I just yeah. read more than five. but and, and they all play a factor in the game. Yeah. And so, it, exactly. And, and even in the last dungeon, right. they talk about how in order to do certain things, you have to get the weather to cooperate with you. So it's, it's pretty interesting. It's a complicated game because of a lot of the mechanics, but they blended it but really well. Even though it's complicated, it's simple enough to where, like, you're a single player, so you're not, you're not juggling multiple characters. You're able to enjoy that, and the boss fights are unique and, and challenging in a way to where you want to change up your character. You want to test out different stats, different abilities, different weapons, things like that. Yeah. So I uh, I I enjoyed the game a ton. It, the uh, the visual angle reminds me a lot of like uh, Mega Man Battle Network, and then the fighting is more hack and slash. That's why they call it the action role playing, and that plays right into my style, what I like. So um, you know, firing this up on the uh, the DS Lite, playing it, I I pull out the the eight bit scale and I give it a solid seven. The only reason I don't give it a perfect eight is. Um, Mechanically, it's a little, it's a little, um, what, what do I want to call it, floaty. And other than that, I just, I think there's, which is typical of Kojima, is there's a lot of dialogue. So if you're looking That's to get the reason why I knock it, my yeah, mine. the the dialogue it, it definitely kind of pulls you out of the game unless you tend to care to read every single I, thing. I give it a seven out of eight too because. I accidentally hit a few times. Let's talk on some some vendors, and it repeats the same exact thing you hear from the very first time you met them. So it's it, and you can't skip it. And you're talking you can't like fast forward. thirty dialogue boxes. Yeah, you can't fast forward. It just speeds the text up in that yeah. box and doesn't move forward unless you acknowledge it. So it that alone knocks at a point a full point for me. But that that's, that floatiness does change as you get throughout the game because sure. you can speed up your attack sure. speed and everything. Yeah. But yeah, the for me. The thing that breaks the flow of the game completely is dialogue, and that's it, a hard balance. I'd rather have a little bit more than not enough because then it, it means there's a story there. But you know, you get what you get. Yeah. The only other the only knock I have other knock I have on it, and back then you didn't have as many buttons as you do on the new 3ds. But I hated that the uh, sprint, the dash was uh, you double tap the D pad. Yeah. Because when you're in these boss fights and you're trying to quickly dodge. 
a lot of times I would accidentally go into a dash that would send me either A, directly into the boss, or B, way outside of my hitbox, so then... I would I would dodge the boss, but I wouldn't have the time to get back in there and and get my hit. So the the mechanic of the dash is is a little f- uh, fluky, a little, little flaky, little little eh, little eh. Wait, can you give me another uh, adjective? Little blah. One more. Little eh. Okay. One um, more. Little nah. Okay, good. <laughs> All right, guys. So that's been Retro Relapse. You can always send in your uh, recommendations. Send them into info at bxap.com. Recommend whatever games you want. If we have them in the collection, we'll be happy to review them. If we don't and we can get a hold of them for a reasonable price, we will add them to the collection. We'll give you a shout-out, and we love users' recommendations. If not, we'll pick a game and uh, review it once a week. So Hopefully soon we'll play Tech War. Yeah, hopefully we'll get Tech War working here. Uh, and again, guys, just send in your recommendations to info at bxab.com. And now we're going to move into some emails. Mail call. Get around, everyone. You've got mail. It's not spam. Hello? Mom, get off the phone. The Legend of Retro Podcast. All right, guys, it's that time you send in your retro questions and we answer them. You can always send your questions into that same lovely email, info at bxap.com. Uh, hit us up on social media or, of course, leave them in the BXAP forum. So go to the website, go to the forum. You can post all sorts of questions there. We pull from the, uh, from there as well. So uh, first question that we have up is from Retro Mike. And he wants to ask, what TV show would make a great video game? It can be any show, cartoon or live action. I think a retro platformer style Bob's Burger video game would be awesome. Not sure what's the point would be, but I'm sure I'd like it. That is a great suggestion, first of all. I would love a Bob's Burger game. Ooh, I, I would love, and they already did this with Pocket Morty. Oh, you're, but, taking, you're taking it from a, me. But a Rick and Morty adventure game Damn. where you are like the original duo or you're going off and trying to find one of them because they get you know, lost in a dimension or something. I think That'd it'd be, be so much fun. I think it'd be hilarious if you did a Rick and Morty, but you had like his pathetic dad like kidnapped like the princess of Mario yeah. and so you're traveling all these dimensions like you traveled Mario worlds to try to save you know Morty's dad that that would be fantastic i think the twist would be that Morty wants his dad but like Rick is keeps getting distracted and you you end up going like there there should be a few dimensions where like you don't need to go to them. yeah but Rick like talks you into going and when you finish it like how toads at the end saying oh, the princess in another you know another castle this time it's like Rick being like oh cool i got my you know my whatever those drugs the the seed yeah. the seeds that he gets and he gets high off of them or whatever you know so like just shit like that that i would love play play right into the show and also, uh, you know, just make fun of Mario. That would be hilarious. So, I have a couple good ideas. One... Street Sharks. Man, if... If <laughs> if what Platinum's making the, the Turtles game, yeah. if they made a Street Shark game after that, I'd... Street I'd ha- Sharks and <laughs> I'd have to quit everything involved like that I do in my life. I'd probably end up my my marriage would dissolve all my relationships and friendships would dissolve because I'd be playing Street Sharks the game <laughs> so much so that's a good answer and I should have thought of that on my own um, <laughs> now my answers all seem worse uh, so if we're looking at something that you know high production like you know modern game you know PlayStation 4 Xbox one 
I love the Benedict Cumberbatch Sherlock. So a game where you're going around London solving like these intricate mysteries and going on an adventure, I think that'd be super fun. Uh, and something I think that would make a great uh, mobile app game is like a suite of games based around Parks and Rec. So it'd be like <laughs> oh, Iron Chef yeah. Ron Swanson. Yeah, that'd be sweet. There could be like a, a some woodworking sort of, one. So, some sort of like fit fitness, yeah, woodworking one or like a, an Iron Chef challenge where you have to make like the perfect steak for Ron. There could be like some sort of tapping, like jump, like fitness game where you're Chris Traeger. Uh, there could be Don't like forget he, about Johnny Karate, like uh, f- what's the what's the fruit, fruit game? Ninja? Fruit Ninja, yeah, but Johnny, Johnny Karate. Karate, yeah. Oh, or like a Burt Macklin like beat him up. <laughs> oh, yeah. a Bur- a Johnny Karate or Burt Macklin beat him up, and then like a, like a tycoon style game or a sim style game where you're running Rena Swag for Tom. <laughs> yes. So. You know, a bunch of bunch of fun options based around Parks and Rec. They think would all make killer mobile apps. So NBC, if you're listening, uh, this episode's dated. We know what day it is. And if anything like that comes out anytime after this, I uh, I want my money. NBC, I want my money because those are awesome ideas. Yeah, I got nothing now. All right, good. Well, thanks, th- Ethan. Yeah, thanks for thanks for the question there, Retro Mike. That was a good one. All right, next up we have Xander. Xander wants to say, Ethan, it warms my heart that you are that you would just play a game, that you would play a game just for me. But I'm a little concerned. Final Fantasy three. I'm a little concerned. Okay, understandable. Are you playing Final Fantasy three on the DS or six? If the cartridge says three, that's the wrong game. If it says six, how do you like it so far? So on the DS, so here, so he explained this. Uh, on the DS, the numbers are actually correct. That's what I was thinking. Yeah. Based on my research, you kept saying, you know, like because you thought it was six, that's on, how it yeah. works on Super Nintendo. Uh, I am playing a remake of three on the DS, okay. uh, and I figured this all all this out because when I was trying to look for guides and stuff, it was taking me to the NES, which I knew six was on the Super Nintendo. So that's what I thought. So Xander, I am playing Final Fantasy three. I honestly didn't touch it at all this week. Um, I just, you know, I've been playing so many other games. I've getting getting back into Castlevania really sort of uh, pulled me in this week. But I, I so enjoy you're playing the wrong one. Well, uh, Castlevania six was his favorite. Six was his favorite, but he still has to be happy. I'm playing Final Fantasy three. Oh, I'm still happy. Okay, well, as long as someone's happy. But uh, yeah, it's better than the first couple times I tried playing it. Uh, clearly, like I said, I didn't touch it in a week, so it's not like I'm addicted to it. Uh, but I am looking forward to continuing my journey through Final Fantasy. All right, good. Well, thanks, Xander. Ethan, thanks for the uh, explanation. Yep, and, and we'll uh, wait for Xander's response next week. Yeah, we'll see how that goes. Uh, next up, we have a question from Pokiel. She simply simply wants to know, is the Mickey Mouse game you just picked up any good? All I can say is that when Jade found this game in the cabinet she about busted the glass to get to it because she had been looking for it for so long because of how much she likes this game which game is it mickey mania for sega which i've been looking for for l for a while i haven't really done like serious looking at ebay but anytime i'm in a game store i'm looking for mickey mania uh because it's supposed to be like the best mickey mouse game it's supposed to be an excellent platformer and they did a remake on ps3 now that i'm actually thinking about it so maybe or maybe that was Xbox Arcade. I don't want it to, but regardless, I could download that for L. So maybe we'll play that. Yeah. So um, with that being said, I would say if she is coming on to the show soon, we could make that the retro relapse 
just for her. Oh. So calling that out there, I am willing to hold on and save that one for when Pokeyal makes her full episode appearance on the on the uh, the Legend of Retro. Consider that an invite, lady. There you go. All right. Um, but thank you for the question. From from what I've heard from Jade, it is an amazing game. I personally uh, don't know if I've ever played it. So. I vaguely remember it. Yeah. All right. So uh, next up, we have... I went to the wrong spot. Go me! Here we go. All right. Next up is Josh, and he wants to say, <clears throat> for those of us that played GoldenEye on the N64... Who hasn't? You know that playing a playing as Odd Job has a significant benefit in in selecting, as he is a far shorter he is far shorter than any of the other characters, requiring you to aim down to get the kill. If something like this was to happen nowadays in any of the popular FPS, do you think the gamer you think gamers would outrage about it? How it's cheap or cheating to use it? Would it get banned from competitive play? Uh, would the internet Make dank memes about it. Shout out to dank memes. <laughs> so it, I, I think, yeah, obviously the odd job thing was cheap. I mean, it was, but they didn't um, think about that when yeah, they made it. They thought about the fact that they were trying it's to make character. it realistic, like he was smaller than the other characters in the actual universe of James Bond. But I mean, yeah, I think you would have. Just like you do nowadays with like, oh, that's a noob cannon. You're you have no skill because you use this. Or well, it depends on the game style. Like like they do outlaw. Like they give players the opportunity to ban characters in competitive gameplay for league. You know, you have your characters that you choose uh, each side, and then you don't get to play them. You know, because there's some obvious advantage to them, Uh, but they don't ban them. They don't remove them completely from the game. So I guess it, it, depending on the game environment it's in can really def- affect the, the 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 overall experience of it. So like if it was Destiny and there was a character that you played as that was harder to harder to hit all the time in a game where balance is necessary, you would see that character changing. Yeah, that's true. Nowadays you would see it and uh, it you would adapt. Yeah, yeah, you you would see an adaption because of because of the ability to update a game. But, uh, yeah, so that's true. I mean, but a character's actual, like, physical appearance being different, like, could you really adapt that? Like, let's say Claptrap in That's what, exactly what I was thinking. Claptrap, a pl- playable character in uh, the pre-sequel or if you have the Handsome Collection. Yeah. What's his, like, again, what is his hit detection compared to, you know, a normal humanoid in that well, game? Well, for that game, it also depended on, like... W- because there are some auto lock features in that game, you know where does it, it does it auto lock in relation to the center of the target or to a specific body part? So like if if you're going for the head, well, Claptrap's head is his body, right? So, so yeah. where's that? Or if you're going center mass, where, how is that related? I guess I'd have to see. I can't remember the exact in the game how they did it, but I know from the point of view of Claptrap though, it was also lower. Yeah, I think nowadays when you think of competitive gaming, since he's asking about like on a competitive scale. Everything is designed to try to be as balanced as possible. And when they find an imbalance, like you just said, they try to correct it. And so if something like this was to happen, I think it would potentially cripple the game. Or, yeah, you would have to, in a competition level, that you would have to ban it. Just like, um, you know, certain, uh, what is it? Oh, my God. Well, certain characters in Smash Brothers. 
are being banned in competitive play. Bayonetta right now is, I don't believe she's allowed in competitive Smash play anymore. You know, because she has because she's so unbalanced compared to other other fighters. You look at a game like Pokemon, which has a vibrant community that you know is into the meta game, and there's depending on what format you're playing, there's countless banned Pokemon because they have uh, too much of an advantage one way or the other. So uh, you know, it, I would imagine if if Goldeneye were you know a vibrant uh, competitive community today, that that's what it would come down to. Odd job would be banned because I don't even I don't think there is a proper way to you know nerf or buff things around him. No, no, yeah, exactly. So there you go. Thanks for the question, Josh. And uh, we're gonna move into the best for last. DD's chiming in, guys. Here we go. Drinking Fago for you, Billy <sighs> Dylan. Yep, pouring out for my homie. Our favorite juggalo. Sup, fools? It's your boy, Dirty Dylan. Here's a cartoon question for you. If you had to bang any 90s Nickelodeon character, who would you bang? Stay filthy, DD. Easy. Patty from Doug. Easier. Crumb from Real Monsters. <laughs> <laughs> that was that. That's a great answer. All those oh hands. Boy. All oh those. boy, <laughs> man, a Nickelodeon cartoon from the nineties. Damn, Crumb's a good answer. <laughs> Crumb is a really good answer. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Name man. some Nickelodeon cartoons for me. Uh, Rugrats. Please don't bang no. me over Rugrats. No. Unless you're into like the, adults. Unless no. you're into one of the adults. Uh-uh. Uh, Chucky's dad. You got, you got Doug. You got Ah Real Monsters. You got Angry Beavers, if you're into Angry Beavers. Rocket Power. Rocket Power. Invader Zim. Yep. You get Wigger. Robot. I'm going to sing the damn song. That's right. I love you, you piggy. I love you, shoes. <laughs> I can't think of a good one. Um, SpongeBob SquarePants is a show you may have heard of. Yeah. Is that early '90s though? That's that falls yeah. out of late '90s. Honestly, that falls out of the early '90s category. Uh, oh, did it say early '90s? Yeah. Uh, well, did, did it say, I guess that's did it say early '90s? I guess I'm they, making shit. I guess Rocket Power probably wouldn't be in, or Invader Zim wouldn't. No, I'm be sorry, in. I didn't say early. I said okay. any '90s. Sorry, any Invader 90s. Zim could be early 2000s. I don't know. Yeah. Um. And I, I feel like I'm oh, missing oh, what, some. Oh, what, oh, what about the... Rocco's Modern Life. Yeah, the cow from Rocco's Heifer. Modern Life. Heifer. Oh, yeah. Or those fro- or the frog neighbors. Oh, yeah. Are we going with cartoon or just any show? 90s cartoon. The question says, here's a cartoon question <laughs> oh, for cartoon. you. Okay. Who would you bang that wasn't a cartoon? <laughs> yeah. Are you going to bang one of the... Ca- ca- Clarissa <laughs> explains it all? Yeah, you're going to bang one of the camp counselors from <laughs> Salute Your Shorts? The secret, the secret world of Alex Mack? <laughs> 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 oh my god Do you have ooh, an answer ooh, yet? Ooh, Kablam From Kablam I would bang The uh, stick? The, no The the <laughs> naked um, uh, The naked superhero Um, Oh what was he called? Shit uh, I'll get it Hold on one second I'd bang Keenan Thompson From all that <laughs> <laughs> While he's in the bathtub wow. The naked French bathtub Keenan Thompson think, was, it, was it Flesh From the Action League now? I would oh, bang Oh yes Flesh I would bang Bang Dilbert from Rocco's Modern Life. Turn the page, wash your hands. Turn the page, wash your hands. <laughs> you don't even be, at least be clean. <laughs> you wouldn't have to worry about it. Oh, man. Uh, Quail Man. That's who I'd bang. Ooh, Quail Man. Getting heroic. That's right. What, do you think, do you think uh, with Roger it'd be rough? <laughs> 
Yes, yeah. You oh, get to wear God. his leather jacket. Oh, Roger. Oh, man. That, I don't know. Yeah. I forgot Roger. about Roger. Skeeter. Oh, the Skeeter, Skeeter. be making a weird sound. Like, <laughs> you make a real wild sound. <laughs> oh, man. So Rocket Power and SpongeBob were in at 99. Yeah, there we go. Yeah. Can you give us an answer now, or are you just going to sit did. there and look? I did. I said the flesh. Yeah, that came from, uh, else. from why? Because you have to go. We've come up. We've named off like eight people. Yeah. Who right. Bang from right. Nickelodeon. Cat dog. <laughs> <laughs> See, that was easy. Good job. Okay, I'm now, here, proud of you. Here's the important question about cat oh, dog. No, 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 do you no. think cat dog has an anus on its underbelly? No, or no. Do you think I have on? the best answer. Oh god. Better than crumb. Nigel Thornberry. <laughs> <laughs> Just Nigel. so I can get those weird it. noises. Oh. Nigel Thornberry. <laughs> <sighs> He'd be exploring you. Oh yeah, that'd be quite the adventure. Or the or was the uh, Jumanji cartoon then too? You could do uh, Alan. <laughs> Oh jeez! I would go. Uh, I would go to the Rugrats, but I would pick Chucky's dad. That's what I said. Chucky's yeah. dad a few minutes yeah. ago. Just so I could. Or didn't Chucky's dad go on a date with I, like a hot lady? A few no, times but I would too? say Chucky's dad so I could understand what it's like to be with Ethan. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Uh, that's deep. True. Our good friend DPK used to point out that I'm uh, the grown-up Chucky Finster. Yes, exactly. So, <sighs> all right, DD. Thanks for the question, as always. But uh, guys, that wraps up episode fifteen of the Legend of Retro. Do we have anything that we need to plug? We want to congratulate actually the winners of the Super BXAP episode one hundred Super Giveaway. Congratulations! It's over, and you finally, for the first time, no, 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 no. I got it, it. before That's it was. Why over. I said we shouldn't have named it that. <laughs> Shut up. Well, you didn't come up with a name for it, so eat a dick. And you, and you didn't even give me the opportunity. Yeah, you were we like, did. Super Super Dildo Fest '97. I'm like, <laughs> yeah. I, I'm like, I guess if that's what you want to call it, it's yeah. kind of hard to remember. You're like, Shut that's up. what we're calling it. We're giving shit away. 100 episodes. BXAB. <laughs> Anyways, guys, uh, congrats to the winners. If you guys uh, aren't sure if you won or whatever, you can check out the winner list on BXAB.com. Check out everything that we're doing over there on the website. And uh, thanks to Detroit Beard Collective. Uh, check them out, DetroitBeardCollective.com. Use the code BX8B. Save 20% on all orders over $25. Uh, guys, thanks for tuning in. Check out both our podcasts on iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn Radio, Overcast, and of course our website, bxap.com, every Tuesday and Thursday. And uh, we'll see you next time when the legend continues. We all die of diabetes from Nuka Cola.